Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Vibe podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I'm an entrepreneur, an author, pop culture commentator, and a podcaster. I live in Chicago. I'm 32, but my birthday is this week. And I'm not going to lie. You probably could have guessed this about me. There's two types of people in the world. People that are like, it's my effing birthday, let's rage. And then, you know, use their birthday as a weapon for eternity to make sure you know how inadequate of a friend you are because you didn't show up for them in the way that they expected to. Um, Because they're, you know, obviously what's super unique and, and, you know, not like other girls about them is that they have a day of birth and nobody else does. So therefore you should disproportionately pay attention to theirs. Um, And the people that get the birthday blues. I fall in the ladder, I'm sure you could have guessed. I love to house a bottle of red and cry about being in a race with my body and career. I love to tell my husband I I don't want to do anything because obviously I'm incredibly humble and low maintenance, only to turn into the creature from the Black Lagoon when he doesn't actually do anything thinking he's honoring my needs when I obviously expect him to read my mind because that's like, what? Are you kidding? Do you think I mean what I say? That's insane. That's ridiculous. Are you like, you're crazy, not me. Um, I, you know, it's a a journey for us all. And uh, so I was recording with Merritt the recap of Finding Freedom, the book about Harry and Meghan. Kind of like when I recorded with Hitha a bonus episode about Jessica Simpson's memoir, because I typically try to only do bonus episodes about the classics, the, the the literature that I really believe in, and I typically will do them as like a bonus. So Merritt's episode will be like a supplemental one. Um, I was going to release it today, but conversational tracks, especially over Zoom, take a lot of editing. And we needed more time. We actually split it up into two sessions because we didn't finish talking about the book yesterday. Anyways, so I'm really excited. That will that will come out when it comes out. And I know I'm I, I'm grateful for your patience. I have tried to stop complaining about my technology, my internet. It's been going on since March and nobody cares. But I typically have access to like a podcasting studio and better technology equipment, uh, speeds, all the things. And that's why the podcast is like edged into Thursday. And sometimes I just go to bed and like hope it uploads and it's then it, but it actually does until Friday. It's a whole thing guys, but not your problem. Just want to apologize and thank you for your patience. But anyway, so this episode is something I've actually never done before. And I do not want you to think I'm phoning it in because this was actually way more work than a regular podcast. (laughs) So when give in the spirit of my birthday blues, right? Like in the spirit of 2020, uh, when I when think when times are tough, when I'm feeling a little on edge, like I I don't take on big picture sources of joy. I literally just like watch a squirrel swing around a, a, a bird feeder to wrecking ball. Like I'll watch I watch YouTube videos of like the Miss uh, you know Teen USA being like the Iraq and like everywhere such as you know I, I, I small things always make me laugh without fail and Greg and I throughout quarantine like at night we'll look at this truly ridiculous reddit thread that is touch and go and isn't even that funny half the time but it's called contagious laughter and the idea of contagious laughter it's not about the content of the thing it's not about somebody trying to make a funny video it's this concept of like if you hear somebody else laughing you just laugh by default it's like a sneeze it's like contagious and I and I love that and I was like maybe I'll kind of try to do a through line of like a compilation 
of different uh, like scenes, if you will, different bits, different uh, listener stories from the past 130 episodes um, that I know you guys love, that I've gotten a lot of feedback about, that people always mention uh, and or the ones that I where I remember sitting here and like like laughing till my stomach hurt while I was recording. And I have so many like this is so stupid because I was alone, but like fond memories of like reading through stuff and like laughing my ass off with you guys, even though we're not together in person. And I don't know, I just thought maybe this would be fun to do for for my B-Day week for some positive reflection uh, and for, you know, I have a I have a highlight on Instagram called Rainy Day. And it's just this maybe like 12 videos that are so, so stupid, but they just they're the token videos that can make me laugh, even if I'm like in a pit of despair. And for those of you that have listened to this podcast for a long time, you know, God willing, if you think some parts of it are funny, I hope I was able to include some of the clips that if you're ever having a rainy day without fail could could bring a smile to your face. And also, I have been professionally advised to have like a reel for a long time. How the hell would I make a five minute reel? It, I would tell one eighth of a story. So in true, be there in five fashion. I made a two hour reel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's, yeah. So it's kind of a random compilation of stuff that you guys have told me you like moments. I remember laughing really hard. Some of my favorite moments with my sister on the podcast, some of my favorite bits of stuff to talk about where even if I'm not laughing that hard as I'm delivering it, I remember like cracking up to myself and like having a great time recording it. And I think you can probably hear it in my voice when I really like talking about something. And some things are worth revisiting from Facebook album titles to the Scala Bachelorette party on a party bus that was all bus and no party to Bath and Body Jerks. I tried to cover different ground. I think at the end I put in some Mormon Mommy Blogger stuff just because I felt I'd be remiss without including a little bit of it. Uh, even though I try to, I, I was worried that was over associated with me for t- a long time. That's why I kind of shied away from the topic. But as you know, I'm working on another installment of it because who cares? But yeah, uh, it's when you guys tell me you like episodes, it's hard to know what parts. Some are short clips, some are long clips. For the most part, the through line is I just would, uh, it's a lot of times when I'm like on the verge of tears laughing. Uh, so anyway, I, if you, yeah, if you like this, let me know. I feel like I could do different themed ones that also you guys always like vouch for me. And I know it's so hard to get your friends to listen to like 12, two hour episodes to like get the gist. So I hope this is a little bit helpful. So yeah, as you're going through, if you're into it, tell a friend, share on your story, screenshot and send to me if you're private. So you guys know the drill. All in all, I just don't want you to think this is a rerun. God, I hate a rerun. Actually, that's not true. My favorite movies, my favorite TV shows with movies and TV shows I've already seen. Somebody told me recently that people with anxiety, that's like typically the case because they're so comforted by the media they already love and consume and don't have to deal with the like not knowing what's coming. And so it's just more soothing to watch something you know and love. And I'm like, wow, that really tracks to my darker moments in life when I met a guy off of Craigslist at you know, Midway Airport because he had the friend's box set and all I had was a DVD player and no cable. Uh, th- those friends were my friends for months. I, 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 You know how many times I've seen Hitch and Curse of the TV because Albert Brenneman's character is just cartoonishly clumsy and it frustrates me? Do you know how many times I've wondered why the weird scream, shout, shriek Ava Mendez does at Ellis Island when... Uh, you know, he accidentally shows her the signature of the Butcher of Cadiz. You know how many times I've wondered, why isn't this a gif? Why isn't this a meme? This is the weirdest shriek of all time that feels disproportionate to a way a person would feel about their several generations removed ancestor. Anyway, guys, not the point. Not the point. And it never is the point. (laughs) 
Also, I love that Megan the Stallion song at the beginning, um, Girls in the Hood, because it captures my essence and my youth of when I, so many of these stories I tell that it, it completely captures my uh, vapid, shallow existence. And then like, all I cared about was being a hot girl. All I cared about, like ever since 16, I've been having a job, knowing nothing at life, but I got to get rich. Why do I got to get rich? Because I'm a hot girl. I do hot shit, spending income on my outfits. And I feel like so many of the clips in this episode speak to my obsession with this hot girl lifestyle. I really thought was sustainable. And I really did clock one too many minutes in a tanning bed as a result. Now I about things I really do not care about regarding my appearance. And it's just so funny to reminisce on. I could do a whole episode talking about tanning bed culture. My God, that was awful. The only thing I will say is like, since there are clips, I've like just cut down stories and clips for purposes of keeping this episode moving. Um, Some are longer than others, but like, I don't, it's hard for me to know what, if you were walking into this blindly, like what you would understand I was talking about. So it might be confusing for a minute. Like, is she talking about a bridesmaid, a sorority or this or that? And sorry for the lack of context, but I tried to at least help you get the gist of the story. But I figure by and large, this is for people that already know the show well. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so apologies for any confusion. So yeah, we'll enter into my 33rd year of life. Not as I usually do, fearing the fearing what's to come and grieving the passage of time, but rather celebrating and being grateful for what that time has brought me, which are hours and hours that I've spent with you guys in your ears, having meltdowns on the microphone, waxing poetic about my favorite topics that literally nobody else cares about with you but you. God bless you. And there's no title I, I take more honor in, hi, Techboat, than... Being the official podcast for watching paint dry, grass grow, long, arduous, tedious household chores that last all day, marathon training, uh, mi- middle of the night baby feedings. I, the, there's, there are no bounds to how much I enjoy hearing the remarkably tedious tasks you do while you listen to my podcast, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> It gives me purpose. I'm I'm completely serious. Because <laughs> I know I, I, there's so, as, as adults, we have so much to do all the time. And it's just like, I love being entertained during an otherwise tedious thing that afterwards you feel so accomplished getting it done. And I'm just so happy to keep you company. So without further ado, oh yeah, remember I was going to have a memoir called Further Ado because my entire podcast is just Further Ado that seems to never get to a point. Um, without further ado, welcome to Be There in Five's very first compilation episode, Contagious Laughter Edition, clips that I hope bring you joy, uh, one you need the most on a rainy day. Enjoy. I've been having a job, knowing nothing in life, but I gotta get rich. You could check the throwback pics, I've been there, bitch. I'm a hot girl, I do hot shit. This is this era of like, um, do you remember those J. Crew bubble necklaces? Like those huge ass turquoise beaded necklaces like did we all think we were Luanne de Lesseps for a minute like why they, they those were worn over chambray shirts tucked into a distressed white denim those were the official sponsor of the junior league I I still have mine in my closet well to be clear I I'm 99% sure I ordered it off of Alibaba I'm not saying it's right but it was sold out because of these bloggers and I had to have one it was the official uniform of a person wearing a bland outfit who needed to spice it up by placing something on their body that was so distracting from how boring their outfit was because it was effectively a giant series of turquoise barnacles 
placed upon your chambray. You couldn't look away. They seemed to grow and multiply every time you wore it. The thing was freaking huge. You know, I can't say I was ever asked to work at an Abercrombie. I really do feel like my brand of hot was more like, was better equipped for like a wet seal stock room. I, I long for a mall hang. I love a mall hang. Like everything about mall culture. There's a series of events that's just, that are just so meaningful to me. And that is pulling up to a suburban mall, parking near a department store that you inexplicably have to walk through to get to the main area. So frustrating. You, you smell the odor of fresh pennies in the mall fountain. The, the enough pennies, like so many pennies that like one hand swipe, I could probably do some damage at the Sam Goody. And the, there's that god-awful indoor landscaping with like a few rogue potted plants and trees that are trying to make it like an indoor-outdoor mall, but like you're not fooling anyone. We all know we're inside in an atrium because of the uh, audibly crippling echoes of everything ever going on in this mall, be it a bad piano recital, the children screaming and crying outside the gymbury, the the piercing screams, pun intended, of the piercing pagoda where, God forbid, somebody going to get their first set of studs gets the dreaded urban legend of the ear infection a la Stephanie Tanner in Full House. I just love doing my usual rounds. I'd hit up the Claire's, the, the Spencer Gifts and or the Hot Topic, the American Eagle, the Abercrombie, the Warner Brothers. Gotta get that Bugs Bunny polo. A natural Wonders or Discovery Store to get my singular polished rock in a velvet bag. You could not leave the mall having not bought something. I mean, nothing was more de- like horrible at the time than a mall day that... You came home absolutely bagless, itemless. And I think that back then I was like pretty proud of myself because I was pretty sure I found the perfect, safe, trendy, but under $5 practical item that I without fail could find at the mall. And that perfect item is a Bath & Body Works mini hand sanitizer. It's timeless. It's fragrant. It's affordable. It illegally has those weird beads in it that scrub your hands now. But regardless... If if you could get in that bin and find yourself a cucumber melon, a moonlit path, a sweet pea, a warm vanilla sugar, you were made. I mean, like I'd I'd even consider a country apple if times were tough. But like, I freaking loved going through those barrels at that that Bath and Body Works. It, it had like a picnic table gingham red awning. Remember that? And I, it kind of reminded me of a Cracker Barrel, but like without the rocking chairs and a lot more teenage theft. I just always remember th- th- that vibe of them thinking everybody was shoplifting. And it just really bothered me because I was like, no, no, Stephanie, I- I- I'm not stealing. I'm doing you a favor because everybody is tired of how tired the branding of Sun and Raspberry is. And I'm the only one willing to buy the sanitizer. Jesus. I like bath and body jerks, <laughs> if you ask me. I love a f- I freaking love a food court. I'll still go to a food court. The food dynamics alone of a large group of, of young women it could be a full courtroom drama, actually, called the food court. With Auntie Anne as our judge, Judy, actually. I wanted a tiny denim skirt, a t- even tinier sleeve shorts. I wanted a, a jean jacket that was sheerly lined. I, I wanted rugby shirts on rugby shirts. I wanted paper thin Henleys. That were meant to be layered because nothing says winter like paper thin layers. You know snakes on a plane and he's like enough is enough. I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. I was like, this is not enough. I need more motherfucking moose on these motherfucking shirts. I need the biggest moose. I want the biggest moose you can find. And I want it on the front of my shirt. And I wanted to say Abercrombie and Fitch. 
and I want to say established in 1892, and I want to be like rolling up to school in an age-inappropriate t-shirt with a weird saying on it, which, you know, spurred me to ask the crowd, ask the audience (laughs) of your example of the Midnight Cowgirl t-shirt that you're like, huh, that doesn't seem right. Um... Mine wasn't from Abercrombie, but my grandma bought me a shirt at 12 that said Hustler 69. (laughs) Lady Delilah's School of Snake Charming, colon, you'll get a quick rise. Yikes. They they knew. Oh, my God. You guys. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Some of these are so random. I had one that said love means nothing. I was 10. I had one that literally said I had a bowl of bitchy for breakfast. Uh, time. I had a white shirt that said tie me up. Don't tie me down. I do me. And I'm smart, too. <laughs> Fast girls finish first. God. Buck wild with a cowgirl. I do remember that and had a lasso. <laughs> Some of these are just like they're not. It's like picturing them on like a like a gangly like eleven year old with braces is what's funny to me. For example, sixth grade boys are like parking spaces. All the good ones are taken. <laughs> what? I just I don't know. I love the idea of coming home from a mall hang with a suggestive T-shirt. Um, North Carolina. It's great to be on top. I'm from Massachusetts and was twelve. <laughs> I love that you clarified you're from Massachusetts. (laughs) North Carolina, it's great to be on top. I'm Samantha. Oh, I forgot a funny one someone sent to me via DM. She said, OMG, our AP lit class (laughs) made matching t-shirts senior year to wear to the AP exam. Okay, nerd alert. (laughs) To wear t-shirts, matching t-shirts to your AP exam is a level of awesomely nerdy that I just respect so much. And they said, it's all about the climax. It was a nod to the pyramid of storytelling. Exposition, climax, denouement, etc. <laughs> well, good news for you, Alexis. I am very familiar with uh, Freitag's pyramid. Huge fan of all literary devices and literary device puns. And honestly, this is amazing. And I just, it's like, even if it's pervy and weird as a parent, if you, if your kid is making, it is like rallying the troops to make matching t-shirts to take an AP exam. I think you're going to be okay. You got bigger fish to fry. I'm not going to come after you for climax. Sorry, I just got another one that said, my high school boyfriend met my parents for the first time and he wore a shirt that said, meet to please you. <laughs> Pleased to meet you. Yeah, like, I'm sure he didn't mean any harm, but that is not great. You know, did he conk too? If somebody honked, my dad, like, would drop, kick them out the door. I forgot my favorite one. Um, this girl said, I was so mad that my mom wouldn't buy me sweats. <laughs> I was so mad that my mom wouldn't buy me sweats. <laughs> that said, said, camp spread eagle. <laughs> that is so disgusting. <laughs> moms are no fun i don't care what anyone says public school hallways were runways and on the right day with the right outfit the right compliment from the right popular person you are just soaring flying there's not a star in heaven that you can't reach i remember one time one time i remember her like first middle and last name i i i I, i've looked her up recently like this is so lame 
one time in gym class, I overheard this girl tell another girl. And I wasn't friends with this girl. She was a lot more popular than me. She had a boyfriend. She was like, she was so cool. She lived in like this really nice house. And I don't know. She ended up moving after eighth grade. But um, I overheard her tell another girl that she thought I was pretty. I literally, I just got butterflies thinking about it. That meant so much to me. I don't know why I so vividly remember this girl calling me pretty. I don't know why it like was life changingly important to me. I don't know why I still remember it. And I feel weird that I just got a butterfly thinking about it now because I think of little me and I'm like, oh, she was so flattered and so excited and literally thought she ran over like a Mario Kart star in compliment form. It just made me take off. So if this were like a verbal, audible meme, it would be like, girl, I think Katie Kennedy is so pretty. Me. It's, it's tough to say. I don't remember if that compliment was pre or post my uh, metaphorical banana peel, which was that of Blushgate 98. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. Somebody else sent me this article from their town. Sounds like a footloose town, but it's actually Hartford, Connecticut. And it was hilarious. It's this article that's called, <laughs> before we get into... Uh, the, the groundbreaking action a Hartford school took upon their students who were freak dancing. Uh, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors this week, who I love, love, love. I have for so long. It is Glossier. And you probably know them for, they really popularize kind of that dewy, glowy skin look. You know, my obsession with trying to appear breezy Glossier is like, it, to me, it's breezy defined. They, they make skincare products makeup products, body care products, and fragrances. And I just, I swear, whenever I wear their products, I feel like straight up Kate Bosworth and Blue Crush levels of like fresh as hell. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like sun-kissed, healthy, not too much makeup wearing glow that I've longed for my whole life. And I think that Glossier does an outstanding job of what I'm more after in my 30s. In my 20s, I was like, let's cover this up. Let's just change my entire face while we're at it. Let's full on Jafar contour. But now I'm I'm a lot lower maintenance and I also just like want to work with what I've got. And I feel like what's so amazing about Glossier is that their products are really designed to, to highlight beauty instead of cover it up, instead of mask it. And I guess I should give you examples before I start waxing poetic about makeup here. But one of my favorite things right now is the skincare product they have. It's a serum called Future Do. And it literally, when your skin, when you leave a facial, which you can't even get right now, at least not in the state of Illinois, that you can't get facial treatments because it would require you to take your mask off, right? And Future Do is a serum that I put on underneath my makeup kind of as like a base serum, but also I put it on my cheekbones as a highlighter. And I, I don't know, guys. I don't know if this is helpful. I just feel alive. I do. <laughs> I, I use these ads to live out my dreams of being like a YouTube beauty guru. Uh, I, and I also love the cloud paint. If you want my tips on what I enjoy and what you should try, it's a gel cream blush that um, is formulated to be seamless and it doesn't look cakey or unnatural. It's pillowy. It's lightweight. It's buildable. You just, it's kind of just like gives you a, a sun-kissed look and you just dab it on with your cheeks. Uh, with your fingertips, I mean. And I also am obsessed with their Generation G 
lipstick. It's a sheer matte lipstick that, that's buildable, but it has soft edges and it's more like a subtle wash that kind of looks like you just blotted. And like I said, it's not about like fundamentally altering the look or masking your features. It just accentuates them. And I love wearing a lip. I haven't been getting to because of quarantine. Even sometimes I'm on in Zoom meetings. I'm like, I just wish I felt like I could elevate my, my look without looking like I'm trying too hard. At one point during quarantine, I put on like an overlined full bold red matte lip to sit on the couch and watch 90 Day Fiance. My husband was like, relax, Gwen Stefani. We're not going anywhere. And I was like, I don't know. I just want to feel like myself again. <laughs> so needless to say, this is more subtle, more natural. I just love their products, guys. I think you can tell. Anyway, get that glowy, dewy look for yourself by visiting glossier.com slash podcast slash be there in five. Plus, all new customers will get 10% off their first order on glossier.com slash podcast slash be there in five. Certain exclusions do apply, but that's G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R.com slash podcast slash be there in five. Just how the show is spelled, not the number five, F-I-V-E. Thanks to Glossier. <laughs> oh, geez Louise. Somebody else sent me this article from their town. Sounds like a footloose town, but it's actually Hartford, Connecticut. And it was hilarious. It's this article that's called, it's from January 13th, 2007. So I was out of high school at this point. But it says, students push past limits in, quote, freaking. And it's about freak dancing. And Principal Neil Sullivan said the school has been trying to rid its dances of a style that has come to be called grinding, freaking, or booty dancing. (laughs) Which aghast educators and parent chaperones have described as simulated sex with clothes on. Here's my question as an, a, an, a grown adult now. Does Principal Neil Sullivan or parents and chaperones, have they ever heard of dry humping? <laughs> like, pretty standard practice that I'd argue is far safer than actual penetration. High schools and even middle schools around Connecticut and the country have struggled with how to curb the dance craze, some coming face to face with it a decade ago. Exasperated school officials have tried everything from printing to... <laughs> It's just so stupid. <laughs> Exasperated school officials have tried everything from printing no freaking on prom tickets to canceling dances. I mean, that's a keepsake. Admit one, no freaking. I think I'm, I just also like we didn't call it freaking. We called it grinding. And the, that term is so funny to me. Plan B, their heavy handed rule bound approach dropped on Wednesday when the school sent letters to parents informing them that back to front dancing was henceforth banned, beginning with the dance scheduled for Friday night. It worked, but perhaps too well. It didn't take the students long to show their disdain for the new rule. Only three tickets were sold. (laughs) They sold three tickets after they said no back to front Nobody wants wholesome fun. They just want to grind their privates into each other. And it's so sad, but it's so funny. (laughs) It worked, but perhaps too well. I really wish this was a Keith Morrison narration. Um, In letters to the parents, Principal Neil Sullivan said... He didn't want to use words such as intimate to describe the dance style for fear they would not grasp the gravity of his concern. After writing, please forgive us for going into detail. 
Sullivan and three other administrators proceeded to give parents a blow-by-blow. <laughs> oh, okay. Come on. Okay. Who wrote this article? Uh, uh, Mark Spencer, the current staff writer. You knew what you were doing with that blow-by-blow. You're no better than Abercrombie. Or Fitch, for that matter. Unbelievable. Um, Sullivan and three other administrators proceeded to give parents a blow-by-blow of what their kids were up to. In the kind of dancing that we are seeing, the male student stands directly behind the female student. He then places his hands on either side of his partner's hips around her midsection. You know things are getting hot and heavy when you use the word midsection. At the same time, he presses his pelvic region against his partner's buttocks. As the music plays, the students then thrust or grind to the beat of the music. Sometimes the girls will even bend over (laughs) as they dance, placing their hands on the floor while their male partner grinds against their backside. Well, Neil Sullivan, that, my friend, is a little move that we, in the modern age, call the linebacker. Fellow senior John Berenberg said a few couples occasionally took it too far, but that's improved since the school started using a passive alcohol test to screen students entering the dances. Okay, narc. John Berenberg. In discussions with students, some teachers have said freaking is demeaning, particularly for female students. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god. There's a quote. My teachers say that, but I think girls are just as much of a part of it as guys, said one girl who was a junior and asked that her name not be used. Guys, were we... Women, even back then, felt they had to be silent. Women cannot be sexual creatures that have an opinion about grinding. She's basically saying, eh, we're, we're just as into it as the guys are. But she didn't want to be named, unlike John Barenberg, unlike Drew Barrett. Unbelievable. These, we, uh, we, uh, we are slut-shamed we, at our core, from the get-go. We, we never stood a chance. And then they, they start to interview the, the DJ. And it says, Chris Vagnini, <laughs> unfortunate, Nene, <laughs> Chris Vagnini, DJ Vag? I was like, is this a joke? He doesn't say he goes by DJ Vag, but does he have a choice with a name like Chris Vagnini? Vagnini? Um, Chris Vagnini, Vag- Chris Vagnini. It's probably Vagnini, like Vanina from Flipping Out with Jeff Lewis. Chris Vagnini, a DJ for Cheshire-based Power Station Entertainment, who was scheduled to work Friday at the dance, said freaking is common across the state. He often sees chaperones at high school dances tapping on a student's shoulder in an effort to create a little space between couples. But Vagnini, 19, he's 19... (laughs) Okay, he's pro- okay. Says freaking is the dance style of his generation, but some of what he sees on the dance floor is offensive. On his own, or often prompted by teachers, he often changes up the freaking prone rap or hip hop song with a Frank Sinatra song or something like the Jackson 5's ABC. <laughs> that usually clears the floor, he said. <laughs> like, wow, wow, this is some outstanding journalism, Mike, from the current. Like, is it really surprising to you that the kids want a little less ABC 123 and a little more 369 damn girl fine? Like, no, get with the times. Kelly, while open, is considerably less emotional than me, which is something you guys might not really realize. No, but I mean, because we have, we seem very similar, but like, we're actually not. Right. No, no, no. We're actually very different. And I think that. Not emotional, and you are. And I think that um, country music probably makes you feel closer to where my default setting is probably and then is- my default <laughs> setting being tipped over the edge is it's more than you can handle is more than i can no, handle I- or like even um 
freaking Kenny Chesney, the good stuff. <laughs> that song kills me. It's a great song, but I don't, I don't the cry. Side of her about, holding my baby girl. <laughs> I know the way the she way adored she that string of pearls. The day, wait, the way she adored that string of pearls. I gave her the day that a born named Earl married his high school love. And it's a new t-shirt saying, I'm a grandpa, being right there as her time got small and Hold holding her hand. hand. Oh, she's crying. Her crying. Oh, I, <laughs> I just won't sing along because I'm such a terrible singer. That's but so sad. How are you tearing up? Kelly, that's the saddest thing <laughs> Girl, but that's what's so great. It, not just country music in general. It brings out different emotions in different people. And, you know, for you... <laughs> Should I take a picture? Tugboat, can you please console your mother? Because she's having a breakdown. Um, how does that song start? Oh, and like, so basically he and his lady had a big fight. They separate. And then he's, he, he like thinks about all the good things in life. Right? And it's a really intense song that I can't handle. You were like actually streaming tears right now. Um. Uh, okay, yeah, because it's the first long kiss on a second date. Mama's yeah. all worried when you, you get, get home, home late and drop in the ring in the spaghetti plate because your, your hands, hands are shaking so much. much. Yep. And it's the way that she looks with her rice oh. in her hair. Okay. Wait, Kelly, Kelly, did you just say her, the rice in her hair? Yeah, is that, that not no, it? I thought that too. <gasps> the way she looks with her eyes and her hair. <gasps> I always thought it was rice in her hair like throwing the rice. Oh, oh, no. Oh, see, I thought it was like she ate a rogue sushi roll. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I always get rice in my hair in transit. And the soy sauce. No, well, you do because you use an, a crazy a lot amount of soy sauce. Yeah. No, I thought rice in her hair was like, you know, the tradition of throwing rice, like on their wedding day. That's no what Kelly. I thought it was. Her eyes and her hair. Eyes and her hair. Eating bur- burnt suppers the, the whole first year. year and asking for seconds to keep her from tearing, tearing up. up. Yeah, that's the good stuff. No, it's a great song. I just don't think I've ever teared up listening to it, but. Oh, yeah. And then. Here you go. I saw a black and white picture and it took my stare. It was a pretty girl with bouffant hair. He said, that's my Bonnie. <laughs> Taken about a year after we wed. He said, I spent five years in the bar when the cancer took her from me. I've been sober three years now because I want things stronger than the whiskey. Is the shot of her holding her baby girl. Yeah. Girl, should you listen to Vaughn? Because clearly we can't take this. That song speaks volumes to me. Really? I, I, I feel like I relate a lot to that song. More Than My Wish by Rascal Flatts. <laughs> if they mother, okay, if they mother and son get up at thing. a wedding and dance to my wish, I am, I am Alex Mack, radioactive puddle, <laughs> sliding through the vents. I am melted. I am dying. That is actually true. <laughs> that song is, it's just, it's, it's a clickbait of the ears. It's like, don't. Make me cry because you bring out something uniquely emotional and me don't make everyone cry because it's fundamentally sad. Like the Christmas shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I am so mad about the, I I will never get over the monster that made the Christmas shoes. That is a, that's a tough one. So I want to buy these shoes. For my mama, please. It's Christmas Eve. These shoes are just her size. Oh. I'm sorry. Could you hurry, sir? 
Daddy says there's not much time. You see, she's been sick for quite a while, and I know these shoes would make her smile, and I want her to look beautiful if Mama meets Jesus tonight. <laughs> That did bring tears to my eyes. That is it very did. sad. Yeah. I've, see? Don't I look like it? Mission don't accomplished. <laughs> I just wanted you to feel what I was feeling. No, I don't think I could ever feel what you're feeling. This is what I have to be very... Well, yeah, I tell people on the podcast all the time. I'm like, I don't watch crime, fire, police, yeah. medical. Like, I don't... I'm so easily, like, for lack of a better word, triggered. Oh, yeah, you are. And, like, I've been, yeah, now crying for half an hour. <laughs> Really good concept. Sorry. <laughs> You're using your okay. Living my truth um, on Patreon. But when you talked about my wish, I couldn't think of it, and then I understood. Did, did you remember? I know it's a little kitschy, but Rascal Flat song. What hurts the most? Of course. But what's hurt, what hurts the most was a great song. <laughs> so is Bless the Broken Road. Oh, yeah. John Cougar, John Deere, John three sixteen. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, you can't take no, it. No, no, no. That's the name of no. The name of the name song of, is no. John Cougar, John Deere, John Three Sixty. Ellie, <laughs> that is so embarrassing. For God gave His only Son. Right, that's what I had to re- recite on the rock climbing wall <laughs> to get let back down. This person that doesn't have good ones, Martina McBride. Excuse you, Concrete Angel. Well, it's that's a sad one. Independence Day. Like, they're so sad, Kelly. Oh, what is it? Tell me a Martina McBride song that's not about something tragic. The only one I'm thinking of is pretty tragic. In my daughter's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a third one. They're all terrible. People who are the photo takers of the friend group to go back and look at your Facebook album titles because they were they were an art and a science. You, you had to lure people in. You know, the whole point of Facebook, it largely still is, but especially... You know, I'd say in the well, it was started in what two thousand five, in two thousand six seven when like the photos feature first happened. There was like a solid handful of years where it it was the official platform of just showing your high school friends you're having more fun than they are, and or showing your ex you're just you, you know the best revenge is living well. Not only are you smoking hot now, you also are super fun and hot plus fun in all of our heads equals. You know, your ex sitting at home crying, listening to the fray. It's like everything had these underlying, you know, double, triple meanings of what you hope people would garner from them upon viewing them. And Facebook albums are a thing where people use a lot of song titles, a lot of inappropriate words, a lot of god awful spellings, asterisks, squigglies. I was laughing uncontrollably when we did this at a friend's bachelorette party. And my friend, who was so sweet and like, so didn't even think twice about doing this, posted an album of Halloween photos and titled the album Ween Picks and it still exists and it's like still visible. <laughs> and it just sounds like dick pics. And it's just, and even she listened to my podcast episode and then texted me and was like, 
until you said that they reminded you of actual pics of weens. I never, I never even knew why it was funny. I just thought you thought the word choice was funny. I was like, no, because it says ween pics. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. And I have another friend who it makes me laugh so hard because she, when she first moved to Chicago in the early 2010s, um, she has this album called, um, it's like took my talents to Chai Town or like living it up in the Chai and it's spelled like C-H-A-I and it's like, it's something, you know, it's took, took her talent. I don't know. It's something about like living it up. I took my talents to Chai Town, like concrete jungle where dreams are made of Midwest style, like look at me and I was I just remember being like oh my god so fun like I'm probably in this album what's it about and I click on it and it is just 36 photos of a gorilla (laughs) just went to the Lincoln Park Zoo and took 36 photos of a gorilla (laughs) so stupid (laughs) but it seems like this they're just like my absolute favorite in 2011 I'd say that's when we all realized, like, oh, our sh- our stuff should be, like, pretty. Uh, but for a while there, it was a total free-for-all. It was like, oh, my God, a gorilla. It moved a little to the left. It moved a little to the right. Oh, my God, it's sleeping. The people need to know. And you upload it, and you probably got tons of likes. And it just didn't matter. And it was it was a time of great freedom, but also great burden uh, for many of you probably not knowing what is still out there. And I asked people today what were their... Uh, <laughs> Best Facebook album title names, and I'll read you a few. Spring a sprung, springling, springling a ding dong, spring sprang sprung, I'll break your spring, sweet summertime, six pack summer, summer breeze makes me feel fine, summer lovin', hey thanks, thanks for that summer, sweet summertime, watching summer fade to fall, wishing time would stop right in its tracks, it's fall y'all, fall is in the air, fall is in the air, air, which respect to you for incorporating a classic album title like fall is in the air with the hit song in the air. Um, you know, we have the tans will fade, but the memories will last forever. Less than sign three, 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 three. <laughs> Smiley face. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of Dave Matthews up in here. A lot of, uh, wait, who's it? This is not Dave Matthews, but time is never wasted when you're wasted all the time. That, I forgot about that quote. That's a very live for the nights you'll never remember with friends you'll never forget, except it's horrible. Time is never wasted when you're wasted all the time. Yowzas. And along those lines, too, there's so many album titles about blacking out. Like, why are we so comfortable telling people we like to black out? It's like, blackout or get out, white out, white and blackout party, Brianna's blackout 21st, lights out, blackout. I mean, truly, so many blackouts. <laughs> and then a number from what I do believe is Kesha's TikTok. And no, Nicole, I do not believe before you leave, you brush your teeth with a bottle of Jack, but... I'm glad the party doesn't start till you walk in. There are so many people that had the party don't start till I walk in. A lot of alternating caps. One girl specified that it was just photos of um, her friends in hoodies drinking four locos. (laughs) I love when you guys describe what it is. It makes it even funnier because like uh, one girl said Spring Break 08 was the album title. And it was just pics of me organizing my boyfriend's closet. And you take pictures. Why did he put you to work? How much? So <laughs> <was> stupid. <laughs> this girl said, "No album title, just a full album of selfies of me with my mom's office equipment." <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> like, oh, the places you'll go, but it's just pics of me, my friend, in a cardboard cutout of Justin Bieber. Like, is that what is Theodore Geisel, one Dr. Seuss thought of when he wrote the graduation classic? Oh, the places you'll go, probably. 
the two less lonely girls. Nothing wrong with that. Um, there is like a lot of mentions of how you would go to like <laughs> Florida for two days over like a weekend, but you'd have like Florida 2K7 albums one through five. Like, how did you take five albums that hold a hundred photos in two days in Florida? It's 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 truly amazing. Um, some some bad sorority puns like, and then a lion fell in love with a fi lamb. Okay, I can't. I can't. Um, there's one I posted on Instagram that made me laugh so hard because it's a. <laughs> it just says Barnes and Noble Adventures, which like compared to like Blackout Get Out. All time is never wasted when you're wasted all the time. Hot and dangerous, playing with fire. Shorty got looks, shorty got class with five S's. Promiscuous girls. Um, doing it and doing it and doing it well. I'm hot because I'm fly. Skanks with five Z's. I just like bless your heart for having an album called Barnes and Noble Adventures. And, and like I say that because I spent a ton of time with the Barnes and Noble. Uh, but I, I really look back on that time fondly because I, you know, get a Frappuccino. It would be poorly made because... As we all know, both Barnes and Nobles and airports uh, somehow make the most underwhelming beverages and despite heinously overcharging for them they're because they're not real Starbucks. I'm like, what kind of training do these clowns have? I, I, I watch them forego nutmeg on a PSL and I'm like, OK, I don't want to be that girl. But, you know, this beverage is lacking a seasonal spice. It's it's, it's frustrating. But. I don't know. I, I, I used to love to go read Cosmo. I would go read 17. I'd go read YM. I would just like drown myself in ridiculous articles about how to make him hot and learn about boys and learn about anatomy and learn about like discharges, <laughs> like weird gross questions people would ask about like, I'm growing hair down there. And I just was like, I got I was like, tell me more. I couldn't have enough. Wasn't allowed to read him at home. So I'd go to Barnes and Noble. And it was it was it was it was a simpler time and I love it so much, but I just was laughing so hard when I got that submission because it was in between like literally wedged between skanks with five Z's and like we made it through college without getting pregnant. Great album title. <laughs> Obsessed with a lot of these song lyrics. It's a real hodgepodge like summer, you know, so, so wholesome or like standard like friends in low places. Girls just want to have fun. Blue jean baby. But then it's like, hands on your knees, hands on your knees. <laughs> or I love like, what happens in Iowa stays in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually quite literally does. <laughs> um, what, whoa, this one, my favorite was the ones that were like, I found my camera cord. Because <laughs> that was a very real problem. Yeast infection. It was my first brewery tour. Oh, no. I'm not going to lie. If I was one of your friends at the brewery and it was like, Rachel tagged you in six photos from her album, Yeast Infection. It would be like super soaking those untags. What time is it? Shot 30. Birthday concussion. Oof. Rough stuff, girlfriend. <laughs> this girl loved Switch, Switch, Switch Foot and she had two albums. One in all caps, this is your life. And the other one, are you who you want to be? <laughs> Intense. <laughs> But what I cannot get over is that two people, not one, but two, went on a mission trip in high school and named their albums. One was a doing it missionary style and one was just missionary style. And guys, were you not with a religious organization? Did, did your youth leader with you, you, youth master good looks not pull you aside and say, hey, 
it's a save your jokes for uh you know the dog adoption event you clown you you can you can go with doggy style then but let's but let's maybe you know keep it together for posting pics of like the youths of Nicaragua and the school we built them. We're just like we're visionaries. We're millennials are truly like we are we are the world. We are the future. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start living. Wow, couldn't have picked a better segue if I tried. Since we are the world, we are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start living. Let's start living and let's start learning by using Skillshare. I love Skillshare. I started working with them amidst quarantine. I feel very passionately about encouraging people to lean into their creative pursuits, whether you monetize it or not. And Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, all sorts of stuff. I know a lot of you out there have what I love to call VMJ, a vague marketing job. The vagueness of our marketing jobs. I I had one for a long time. Sometimes I want to sharpen my saw. And I was looking at the marketing section today and they have so many interesting classes in terms of like personal branding and crafting your social media presence, uh, how to like storytell uh, social media strategy and kind of like a, the cluttered online space, branding staples, product marketing, brand management, uh, how to make a podcast, plan, record, and launch with success. Maybe I shouldn't take that. It's just, I think like people don't even think about these super specific skills and tools you can be using to really f- refine uh, a hobby into more of a craft and, and or to make a craft into a career. And if you're creative and curious and you want to be doing something, whether for your own joy and creativity or for a job. Uh, just look at where you want to be versus where you are and how you can take steps to fill that gap. And in my experience, educational resources are the bridge because you realize everything ever in the world that seems overwhelming and complicated is being done all the time by people who are just like you who just took the time to learn it. And so could you. So if you want to explore your creativity and try Skillshare and get two months free of pe- premium membership, Go to Skillshare.com slash be there in five. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Two months for free. It's like truly you have nothing to lose here. You can get started to join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash be there in five. That's two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash be there in five. February 2009. Subject line, absolutely, dot, dot, dot. Unacceptable. I am sorry that this is going to the whole listserv. I have no idea who was in the house today or tonight, but whoever ate the blueberry muffins tonight or today owes myself and blank a huge apology. We have worked our butts off for this, and as I type this email, it is 1.30 a.m., I am making pigs in a blanket and setting up for tomorrow so I can go pick up more food at 8 a.m. from Kroger. Did I mention that I have a paper due in 12 hours that I have yet to start? (sighs) I am upset and angry that someone ate the muffins. There are numerous signs in the kitchen. We all know what is going on tomorrow. It is inexcusable. You know, guys... (laughs) I, too, am upset and angry that someone ate the muffins. I heard through the grapevine that my friend Claire ate the muffins. I really don't know who ate the muffins. Um, Honestly, I didn't know anybody in my sorority ate carbs besides me. Uh, Otherwise, why was I eating all those personal pan pizzas alone? Um, But, you know, I did not live in the house at the time. 
And I'm grateful for that because I think I would have been a strong contender. Like I could just see somebody shouting down the hall being like, it was one of the mediums. So then how basically bumping works, it's it's designed so you feel like you're socializing in a house and you feel like it's very natural and people are just talking to you. But in reality, you're standing in one place and people are very artistically, carefully uh eavesdropping in the conversation and the other person backs out of the conversation and goes to the next potential new member. You probably like a designated spot in the room. And it's, it's, it's like I said, it's an elegant game of dressage. And okay. It's like, so for example, you, you walk into a house in a party, you're given the arm of somebody, you walk into the main room, you're talking to them. The person you're talking to is like in the first position, you'll talk to this person for a while but out of nowhere, her friend comes up and she's like, oh, my God, Megan, I've heard like so much about you. You know, she can't say that. So she'd be like, hi, Clarence. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> I am not a sorority sister named Clarence. She'll acknowledge her sorority sister. and She'll be like, Clarence, oh, my God, who are you talking to? What's going on? And then she'll ease. Clarence will ease you into the conversation with a potential new member. Then the PNM will talk to the second person for a while. And then a third person will come and be like, oh, my God, rutabaga. What am I doing? I've had two glasses of wine at this point. I'm getting a little tired. The first story I'm going to read is called uh, The Red Dress Day (laughs) That Will Live in Infamy. Picture this, a newly established sorority at one of the biggest southern state schools. It was our first formal recruitment. We did not have a mansion like everyone else, so we recruited from a temporary space. The only place we could find was a literal church. So the first problem was that the PNM's potential new members thought we lived in a church. But then Red Dress Day came. Panhellenic ran their magic numbers. And the round before preference, we found ourselves with parties of 100 plus women when it was supposed to be around 60. We did not have enough seats for 200 plus women to be talking to each other at the same time in this echoey church. So it was over 200 in this small church because when you add in the regular sorority members plus the potential new members. Our advisors ran out and bought every pillow from home goods, marshals, et cetera, in the entire city. We all had to kneel in front of our PNM and shouted her during the party. To be fair, we did a lot of kneeling, but I'm sure your pillows were cuter. Um, and then the AC broke in Florida in August. <laughs> then the pipes on the second floor of the church <laughs> burst in the middle of the day. So we had toilet water leaking into the room. We threw every towel and tablecloth we had and stood women in front of it to hide the toilet water leaking into the space. And then half the chapter got food poisoning from lunch and the unbearable heat. We took turns throwing up in the bathroom between rounds. The weakest among us backed out at this point. The strongest popped a mint and went back out. Also, we were wearing heels. A few of us twisted our ankles on the steps. Some continued to hobble through the rounds. The others retreated to the upstairs to lick, lick our wounds. During this entire ordeal, we were wearing Coca-Cola red dresses. It had been five years since this happened. If you ask any woman from my chapter who was recruiting that year, they will immediately inform me that no recruitment experience can be worse than red dress day. My best story from this time is when a member found a literal machete hidden in their room. Was it Shannon? My God. Uh, assuming it belonged to their roommate with, who was questionably stable, and they reported it. Our president at the time was worthless, and her plan to deal with it was to steal the knife and then address it later in standards. The knife was hidden in a beanbag chair, so we got it out, and the president insisted we take it in our cars to a literal abandoned park about three blocks from the house and hide it in the compartment of her car meant for a spare tire. 
Not exactly sure how I would have handled it, but all right. The girl's explanation ended up just being that she needed it to cut watermelon. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's something you would cut a watermelon with. But like, why would you hide in a beanbag chair? Like if, if you, okay, if you need it, if you love watermelon, it's something important to you in your life. Just come out and be like, hey, just so you know, I have a huge effing knife. And that huge effing knife isn't to murder you. It's to cut my own watermelon at my leisure. Otherwise, you hide in a beanbag chair. What if somebody sits on said beanbag chair? Oh, maybe that's why I was there. Didn't want any squatters on the old BBC. I chose to live in the house because it was a pretty affordable option and it kept me within walking distance of the university. But living with 28 girls under one roof is a lesson, lesson in patience, among other things. There were five showers total in the house, six toilets, and 28 girls. My first year living in, I shared a room with seven other girls. It looked like a scene from Annie. <laughs> oh, empty belly lives. The other thing I've always wondered that anyone else did is tapping. Every fall, we'd have a barn dance. This is probably exclusive to my state. And to invite your date, you'd tie a sweatshirt around their head so they couldn't see and tackle them to the ground while your sisters gathered round in a circle and sang reworked lyrics to rap songs. <laughs> They'd sing until you've successfully got your date on the ground and then would start over again and when the next couple entered the circle. If you weren't able to tackle your date, five to ten other sisters would jump in and help tackle? I would if somebody just had a fresh ACL surgery, a, a, you know, rotator cuff from a rogue high school volleyball incident. Guys, that's dangerous. <laughs> what? I would never tackle somebody. Not then, not now. I mean, I guess I could go for a clean clothesline to the legs. I do have a broader shoulder, but it's just certainly not desirable. Um, <laughs> I can still hear 369 damn look fine without... Oh, I can't hear 369 damn look fine without singing 369 it's barn dance time. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is the same as porch bunk bed gal. These are three of the best things I've read. Um but also to rework to rework lyrics before you tackle somebody for the barn dance is like again I need footage. Like this is so hard for me to wrap my head around like like whenever wherever Let's bond dance together. B A R N D O O R S. Yeah. Uh, did I just say barn doors and not barn dance? <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, hey, you, you, I don't want your barn dance. That's a good one. And then she said during recruitment, we had to end on a positive for the potential new member, acronym PNM. And we weren't allowed to say she's cute or that we liked her outfit. So we'd be forced to have someone raise their hand and say, she came to our party <laughs> as if that's better than she's cute. We still use that line 10 years later whenever we feel like we said too many negative things. I like that sentiment, though, to end on a positive. And if you don't have a lot to say, she came to our party. <laughs> I love that. Um, this person said, my favorite part of Rush was when we would discuss potential members end of day. And it had to be positive, negative, positive. An example, Mary is from my high school, so I know she was active in extracurricular activities. She was also active with every guy in her class and effed no less than five guys a week. But she must be really good at time management to do that plus drama club. <laughs> A plus for delivery. <laughs> Good morning. I was standards for this sorority. As you know, we had to bring girls into standards if they were below a certain GPA. I don't remember 
This was the same way for all of my all of this sorority. But we had a standards board made of the president, the risk management position and elected women from each grade. So the board was seven people. Spring semester, my junior year, uh, I had just been elected and we br- we had to bring in a ton of people who didn't make grades. One in particular stands out. Um, her name was let's call her Susie Q. She was a freshman, so she only had one semester under her belt. Most of the time, Sanders was pretty lenient on the freshmen as they adjust to college, etc. So we bring Susie Q in and ask what happened. I think she had like a 1.9 GPA, so it was hard to be lenient. So she just dives into the story about how she was in a car accident in high school. If you were visualizing, she had a very thick southern accent. She'd been having all these problems with her foot and can't study. All the excuses in the world. Well, someone, I guess, asked her what she was doing to take care of her foot. And she said, if you I'll do it in the accent, if you don't believe you can stick a fire poker through my foot and I wouldn't feel a thing. <laughs> she missed her deeds. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is I never had a council position. I was I had like a job, but I wasn't like an executive board member that required being way too involved. But um I was something called the chaplain and the chaplain is like the uh, the clergyman of the <laughs> chapter who closes out the meeting. But at the time, I was very concerned with, um, you know, providing secular messaging. And I would just read off quotes by like, I don't know, Beyonce or E.E. E. Cummings to name two very similar people. And um, but what I had also very, uh, you know, speaking of corruption in the church, I would tailor the message to you know, really support my friend group based on the drama that went down in the meeting. And um, my section as chaplain was particularly awesome because I got to uh, bring in prayer requests and prayer requests are often very legitimate, but they're also very often um, an opportunity to get as much attention as possible. And they would either get on a chair or read a letter they wrote and would be like, I would like to, you know, I'd like to say a prayer for the integrity of our chapter. And it's like, oh my God, are you really going to use, you know, religion? Like this is the sacred time to be pushing your agenda of passive aggression because, you know, Beth puked in the foyer. Relax. We're 20. It's fine. And, uh, you know, if I have one regret, it's, it's, it's not pushing back on people using that time for their own like personal garbage because there was real stuff going on that we needed real prayers for. And granted, I know I was saying I was pushing a secular agenda while simultaneously arguing for the, you know, wholesomeness and and Jesus-like way we should be speaking during prayer requests. But, you know, that's what the church is. It is full of contradictions. (laughs) But anyway, I, uh, I, the only thing, the other thing from being chaplain that is like my favorite thing ever, um, I mean, not ever, but like, it just, I don't know why it stands out to me is just this one girl chose to stand up and like share somebody else's misfortune in case they forgot to ask for their own rare prayer request. But like, if somebody needs a prayer and isn't like, you know, announcing their situation, maybe it's because they want to keep it like private or maybe because I don't know, it's emotional for them. <laughs> and it was a day when there was particularly, you know, there's no you know, very low prayer requests. It's kind of cricket. So, you know, she's trying to add to it. And she stands up and I'll just call this other girl, Stephanie. Um, And she was like, Stephanie, your cat died. Guys, prayers for Stephanie. Her cat just died. And she's not she's not telling us. But Stephanie, remember, your cat died. I don't know. In my head, it was so funny because it was just like, you know, dead, died, dying. R.I.P. Rigor Mortis. Your cat is buried in the ground. Aren't you sad? You should tell the entire chapter so we can pray for you. And I just can't. You, you, you just don't need to be like, Susie, 
you forgot to tell the chapter you have irritable bowel syndrome and you're dealing with a flare up. Like why, why would you announce somebody else's misfortune when they're choosing to be private? Cracks me up to this day, less about the content and more about the delivery and concept of <laughs> volunteering somebody's private information, but pray for the integrity of this podcast. Cause we got to get through some of this, this commentary. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. And I know what everybody's thinking. Kate, tell us more about Arby's and you know, I will. Um, so when I say I went to Arby's a lot in my youth, I went a lot, like a lot, a lot. And it's just like I talk about it because it is kind of a hallmark of my suburban experience. Imagine my surprise when I dig into this further and realize that everyone else seems to think Arby's is a dumpster fire. People were talking so badly about Arby's. You would think that they thought like Blimpy was the French laundry. I was like, how what? Like in my head, Arby's is high high-end fast food, almost bridging to like a nice deli, like a McAllister's. Do I think it's like a, you know, a formal restaurant? No, but like for fast casual, fine dining, Arby's to me was a premier option. I got a DM and somebody was like, oh yeah, my Arby's, they found a dead body in the dumpster last weekend. As if a murderer thought it was so on brand for a dead body to be in the dumpster at Arby's, it would, you know, help to throw someone off their scent. I'm just like, I, I, so I start to get really confused and I'm like, uh, this whole time, none of you guys told me that you thought Arby's was gross. It's twice the price of other fast food. They stack fine roast beef very high. You know, it's not the nicest cheese sauce in the world, but I find it complimentary. And I think I just thought as a nation, we loved curly fries as much as we love waffle. And I start digging further. And what I realize is that there's like this group in Richmond, Virginia that owns some of the Arby's. And there's one in particular that I grew up near. It looks like a ski lodge. It's, it's like really nice there's canoes hanging from the ceiling there's these like carved canadian uh, totem poles there's like a lot of dark wood there's a stone fireplace the, the place is like high beamed you know vaulted ceilings we had high back wooden carved chairs we had table side lamps like it looks like a restaurant like there was a barbecue place a tex-mex place we had a smoothie bar the the, the people that worked there wore like white chef's coats <laughs> And so in my head, this is Arby's. And anytime I've gone to another Arby's, I've been like, man, this Arby's blows. Like, what's going on? But I never registered to me that I had never really seen a nice one besides the one in my hometown. Also, I've lived in cities since I left my hometown a decade ago. In, you know, small areas of small real estate, like they're just going to have city fast food joints, which are never nice. And I don't have a car, so I don't go through drive throughs and, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's confused me over the years that Greg doesn't want to stop at Arby's and seems to not like it. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, this is fine dining. So I guess, you, you know, like things just happen in childhood and they are what they are. And you don't really overthink them and analyze them and go back and read. I never really thought about why this Arby's was so nice. And then I find an article from the year 2000 when it was built. And it's describing this new Arby's as these guys that own like fast food franchises. They're trying I guess fast food, you know, they're they excel in the lunch hour, but they're trying to become more like dinner destinations. So they designed this gorgeous Arby's and like it's literally the article sounds like it's from Eagleton from Parks and Recreation. Like it's so excessive for a fast food place. And I'm just like I'm like weeping, laughing about like how unnecessarily fancy this Arby's is and how I thought it was the standard. Because like, for example, they um, there's three uh, topiaries outside of this Arby's. They're topiary bulls that are completely anatomically size correct to a real bull. And in the year 2000, they each cost eighteen thousand dollars. 
The restaurant is decorated with granite and marble floors and featured and features high-backed wooden chairs around some of the tables. Canadian Indians carved an intricate totem pole that sits in the center of the dining area. Geese and wooden canoes hang from the ceiling. Lowe says the desired effect was the, to give the appearance of a Montana Indian lodge. If that's not to your liking, perhaps you'd prefer to take your tray and dine al fresco under the restaurant's yellow umbrellas. At this Arby's, that's an option, too. And I mean, like, guys, this is a really freaking nice Arby's. <laughs> And I then also started to regress through like when I worked at Nielsen and stuff, like I would have client meetings and we'd be in suburbs and like I would suggest we'd go to Arby's. Like we'd be around other like restaurants that like you sit down and that like maybe weren't the nicest, but were like, you know, at least decent quality waiter service. And I'd be like, nah, guys, let's just like, we'll just like go to the Arby's. It'll be quick. It'll be fast. We'll you know, have a nice meal, walk out. And I'm like not realizing that other Arby's just don't look anything like this because. The one in Shore Pump is like filled with business people, too, during lunchtime. I just truly like I didn't know you guys weren't eating your beef and cheddars next to a wood burning fireplace. <laughs> I didn't know your topiaries weren't anatomically correct. <laughs> I just like I'll never get over this. And then according to this article, six of the top 10 best selling Arby's restaurants in the world are in Richmond. So even the worst Arby's in Richmond is probably the best Arby's you've ever seen. Because there were other ones that weren't as nice as the ski lodge. But like, it just was normal for me. And I guess I just don't go that much ever since. And I really do like it. And I Postmates Arby's very often from a very gross one on Wells Street. And I just like, anyways, it was this hilarious blind spot where I'm like, I'm 32 years old. And it never occurred to me that every other Arby's I went to, um, you know, should be the norm. And mine should be the exception. And I cringe at all of the times I earnestly suggested to a group of people that I needed to respect me that we should indeed opt for that option for lunch or dinner. You know, we sign a big contract. Arby's. It's your birthday. Arby's. You get engaged. Arby's. I mean, like to me, it's so refined because instead of grinding the beef crassly into a burger, they they shave it elegantly as if it's a deli. But they make it fast food and they specialize in one thing and they pile it high. And I mean, their market fresh sandwiches are good too. Their tenders rule. I don't know, guys. So there's two things here. It's like one, it's hilarious that my Arby's was disproportionately fancy and I didn't realize it. Two, I'm confused that people think the food is so disgusting and it makes me wonder if ambiance just really affects the food taste so much because I really think it's good. <laughs> and three, I think that like, it's just funny when you realize there are these things that you never really looked into and they're like blind spots. And I had people submit them to Instagram. And they were so freaking funny. And most of them are in an Instagram highlight I see called blind spots. Everyone said they thought um, making ends meet was M-E-A-T. And like when you didn't, it meant like we don't have enough money to afford uh, like meats, like no more cold cuts, no more, no more steaks. No, we're vegetarians now because we can't make ends meet. And like that made me laugh so hard. A lot of people thought it was a mute point instead of moot point. Very Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> My mom used to spell out our last name starting with F as in Frank. To me, it sounded like F as in Frank. I thought it was some weird code while in high school. Like, like. <laughs> I think that's really funny. F as in Frank. <laughs> it's a singular word. The white plastic thing that they put in the center of the pizza is so the lid won't crush the top. Honestly, I always thought it was like a um, like a tiny little table. Like it was like a cartoonish dog doll table. A lot of food ones, like realizing mini carrots aren't real. They're just bigger carrots cut up into smaller carrots. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you guys know a pony isn't a baby horse? It's just a separate type of horse. I really thought ponies 
we're we're young horses and i feel disappointed that i i don't know i don't know i don't have any more information that's just what somebody told me this person thought misdemeanor was mr meaner like a mean mister <laughs> I, honestly that tracks like geez mister could you be any meaner robbing that bank um when I was little, I thought a prostitute was a type of lawyer like a prosecutor. <laughs> For years, I thought congestion road signs meant beware of nasal congestion. And honestly, I support that. Surprising number of people that thought wind chill was windshield. Like, like, the, <laughs> like the weatherman was telling you, like, how much precipitation was going to happen because you'll need to wipe your windshield. <laughs> this girl in college, she didn't. She, she found out that cooch wasn't a word for a small space. <laughs> Are you thinking like scooch over? Like, I just, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like the context that you would use that in. But like, I don't know if you're like getting in a, in a class photo, like, you know, trying to scoot in between two people. Like, can I get in your cooch? Oh, my God. Did you guys know that this little piggy went to the market? It's not like the Wegmans. Like, it's not it's not even Erewhon. You know, I just thought like somebody was going to like an adorable like farmer's market. Like, oh, my God. Can you imagine little pigs shopping with their hooves like in their little, you know, baskets? No, they're going to the freaking slaughterhouse. And that's upsetting on so many levels. And I think we need to rebrand uh, this little piggy went to the market, if you ask me, because that is dark. Also, did you know heck is a combo of hell and the F word? Because you either say what the F or what the hell? Like, what the heck? I, I, I would think I have never heard that before. This girl, her whole life has called them hammy-downs. H-A-M-M-Y. <laughs> this one blew my mind. They're called soft drinks because it's the opposite of a hard drink, like alcohol. Isn't that wild? Elbow grease is not something you can find at Lowe's next to the WD-40. <laughs> uh, Min Minneapolis is not a small version of... <laughs> Annapolis, so it's not mini Annapolis. <laughs> what? <laughs> so silly. The fact that your awareness of Annapolis would be higher than Minneapolis is funny to me. Bachelor party, however, very surprised. But it's so off-brand for them to be sharing this footage that it was so fun to see a different side of the Scala sisters. They were like laughing and having fun and dancing and letting loose, and I'm here for it. I really enjoyed it. Can I get over that the wildest beverage I saw was like a hydro flask in the corner? No, I mean, good for them. I, the, the the theme was to dress slutty. I mean, how great is that? So the wedding's on Saturday. We're having a bachelorette party on Wednesday. And, um, you know, for this, we've rented a party bus. Standard. So this party bus is a little more bus than party. It's got everything. We've got feather boas. We have um, water bottles. We have Diet Coke. We have opaque leggings. We have turtlenecks. We have virgins. We have sashes. We, we've got a driver named Greg who, 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 to be a fly on the wall. We've got synchronized dance routines. We've got a, an entire bus full of social media stars. We have a sister who <laughs> took the dress code too seriously. And God love her. We, we, we have ass smacking. We have a, a mom who's outraged and shocked. I mean... This this party has it all. Okay, so to back up again, so like, you know, your friend sends you, sends a mass email to like 30 of a bride's nearest and dearest and is like, hey, ladies, planning an epic bachelorette. Can you shoot me back which Wednesdays you're available um, from 3 to 6 p.m.? It has to be daylight 
And if daylight savings time is in the mix, you might adjust that from two to five, perhaps if you're feeling wild from five to seven. And, uh, you know, then you're going to party like it's T minus two days to, to until the, one of the more disappointing sexual experiences of your life. <laughs> it's, you know, OK, there, there's so much here. So one thing is that was so funny is that so Rachel is getting ready for it. And she's like, I was told to dress slutty, but I'm wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> so again, I don't know if she knows she's funny. Like, it was funny. And so she's wearing a, a black turtleneck and black opaque tights and high boots underneath a, um, like, eyelet uh, summer dress, which I actually, I think she looks cute. And she gets to her sister's house and her sister is wearing tall boots, a dress, and a big, like, faux fur but has like about, you know, seven inches of the upper knee area showing. And it's like Rachel was supposed to dress slutty, but she's wearing tights. What do I do? So then the bus has to wait for the sister, Emily, to put on tights because she doesn't want to be the only one dressed slutty. And again, by slutty, it's 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 an area of leg that's so uninteresting. I honestly don't bother to shave it half the time. We we, we have all the makings of uh, of a party bus. But um, besides the partying. So what we have is a bus. It starts out, you know, we're, we're listening to Fofty. We're listening to, to to Buttons. The bride is getting down. She's a great dancer. She must be a dancer. Um, she's really working the boa. Everyone's working their boa. They're really taking advantage of, um, you know, being in a line and kind of almost choreographing scenes with their legs th- that I can only liken to a Nair Who Wears Short Shorts commercial. We're on our way to sushi eventually night starts to slowly fall and we get off the bus and the driver greg is kind enough to help people off the bus there's you know uh, what seems to be a choreographed semi-rehearsed routine to get off the regular bus um and the the kind driver greg is helping them off the bus now you know every you know everyone gets off the bus they gracefully do a little dance a little look everyone looks so cute there's one girl i'm not sure who she is she's she looks great too she is all of us because she rolls her ankle <laughs> and bless her heart. That is just something I, I don't wear heels a lot. So every time I wear a heel, I am undoubtedly going to roll an ankle. You know, what I think happened is that Greg offered out his hand. She didn't take it. And he somehow bestowed up onto her that ankle roll because he was like, oh, you're not going to take my help. If you guys scream at me one more time to to turn up Britney Spears is give me more, I will turn over your ankle. And I swear to God, he Matilda style manifested that with telekinesis. I really couldn't tell if Greg was having the time of his life or he was extremely annoyed. I, I don't know. The whole th- montage was to give me more. Greg was like, give me less. I'm like, uh, give me more and more. G- give me Mormon. <laughs> I, I want all the footage. After the weekend, Katie contacted Sarah and told her that things weren't working out. That Sarah was causing a lot of drama within the bridesmaid group and perhaps she shouldn't be a bridesmaid after all. Katie even offered to pay for the unworn bridesmaid dress. Sarah responded by posting photos of the bridesmaid dress online and stating that she was selling it. We haven't heard from her since. She did not attend the wedding, deleted everyone on Instagram, Facebook, etc. and has blocked everyone's phone numbers. Whoa. Was she real? Is this like a weird like movie where like you go to her house looking for her and the people that live there are like, Sarah, well, she lived here in the 1930s as a, as a young woman, but died in the Great Depression. She died 80 years ago. And you're like, oh, yeah, she, she kept using the word shillings. And I don't know, she did bring up Herbert Hoover, a disproportionate amount for the modern age. 
on the day of the bride and groom hosted a wedding party luncheon, something I've literally never experienced before or since where the whole wedding party got together and ate lunch. Salads and lettuce wraps were provided and everyone with the bride and, but the bride and groom ate lunch because they were so excited. <laughs> I know I, I've, yeah, you've got to remember to eat. Um, also, lettuce wraps are so 2000s. I like used to go to P.F. Chang's, you know, sit on the patio at the mall with like huge ass sunglasses and uh, get lettuce wraps and pretend I was Elsie. The wedding was beautiful. Lots of fun. Da, da, da. At the end of the evening, the bride brings me her car keys and says, I need you and one of the groomsmen to load up all the presents in our cars and drive them to our house. You can stay there tonight and then go to the airport in the morning. I also like, weren't you drinking? Uh, I mean, fine, if not, but like, that's kind of something I would want to know in advance. I think I don't really want to drive all your presents across the city, but okay. So me and a groomsman, let's call him Tyler. Ooh, Tyler from Indiana. Does he like butt heavies? Uh, <laughs> she said, so me and a groomsman, let's call him Tyler because that was his name. Load up the presents and drive them to the bride and groom's house. Uh, once I'm inside, the groomsman announces he's staying there that evening so I can go ahead and head out. I say, no, I'm staying here tonight. You can go ahead and head out. Uh, Tyler, what a jerk. Come on your boat, but kick you out of his house. Then Tyler starts sweating, pulling at his collar, looking pale and says, I'm not feeling that great. He then proceeds to run to the bathroom and vomits violently. I think to myself, wow, this guy needs to hold his liquor. And also, did he just drive drunk? What a monster. Then 15 to 20 minutes later, I feel a wave of nausea hit. I run to the bathroom and tell him he has to leave. I have to throw up right the heck now. So he, being a gentleman, still in his tux, starts throwing up in the bathtub. I am on my knees, still in that sequined skin tone ball gown, just becoming increasingly ill. I'm also wearing two layers of Spanx. I ask him to unzip me, which he does, and attempt to wiggle out of industrial strength spandex, which I cannot do by myself because I am too weak, so he has to help me out of the... <laughs> Both layers of Spanx. And, like, this guy sounds like a dick, too. It's not like you want to have a... It's not romantic. Not that it would be, you know what I mean, but it'd be, like, a meat cute. Um, then Tyler starts sweating. Oh, sorry. Um, I had met that man that day at the luncheon. Humiliated, I then kick him out of the bathroom because I'm embarrassed that he saw me in not one, but two pairs of Spanx, and he goes to do the right proper thing of being sick in the front yard. That night, we both end up sleeping in the couple's bed because it has easy access to the bathroom, and we trade up throwing up all night. The next morning, he drove me to the airport so that we could get on our respective flights to the east and west coast, and who we run into but the happy bride and groom. They're on their way to Cabo or Saint something to look as and just looking happy as ever. The bride, <laughs> the bride pulls me aside and says, you look like you didn't get any sleep. Did you hook up with Tyler, you crazy slut? And I explain that we were in fact not hooking up, but rather throwing up all over their house. She looks at me knowingly and says, yeah, we've heard the same thing from the rest of the wedding party. Turns out the lettuce wraps had E. coli. Oops. Oh, my God. <laughs> The entire wedding party? <gasps> and really, what can you do but laugh so you don't cry at that point? That's the story of how I spent Valentine's Day vomiting in a ball gown with a strange man I didn't know who got me out of my Spanx. <laughs> but probably not in the way either of us wanted. Oh my God, that's hilarious. All right, next email. Hi, Kate. Uh, my best friend got married this past May. I was her matron of honor. She's from a small town in rural Wisconsin. I'm talking population 1,200 tops. The bachelorette party was the same weekend as the Kentucky Derby, so against my better judgment, that was the theme. Things started off fine. We visited a few local bars, and everyone was having a good time. To end the night, we had prepaid tickets, her request, to a Magic Mike show that was taking place at a local restaurant at 9 p.m. I feel like I know how this is going to end. 
<laughs> when I say local restaurant, I mean the only restaurant in the entire town. Half of it is a diner and the other half is a banquet facilities and a bar. I'm picturing a Shoney's. <laughs> the show was set up in the banquet room. There was no stage. Old wood tables were set up and set up cafeteria style. And they left the salad bar up and put a curtain behind it to hide the performers. Prior to the show, the talent manager passed around a legitimate spiral notebook and asked all the attendees to write in pencil their names and email addresses in the book so they could be updated on future shows. <laughs> Needless to say, that was a hard no for me. I gladly passed that notebook to the next person. Once the show started, it was very apparent that the talent sent to a rural town in Wisconsin to perform next to a salad bar was definitely the B team. One of the men was tiny and bald and legitimately looked like my dad. Think Danny DeVito in the episode of Friends with Phoebe's bachelorette party. There were three of them total, and I think they were all in their 50s or 60s. No shade, just not what we were expecting. I mean, you can shade that. <laughs> he paid for a ticket. And they're going to advertise Magic Mike. Pick a new name, you know. If, if you're going to use Magic Mike, we're picturing Channing Tatum. You need to use, like, Grinding Gary or something that's a little bit more realistic to uh the talent anywho um uh, at one point they came out into the crowd and since my best friend was the bride and was wearing a sash etc one of them bent her over the salad bar and started spanking her and she kept saying over and over i didn't pay for this we ended up leaving at the intermission the next morning when i was driving home i saw the strippers all three of them at a local gas station all piling out of some tiny kia getting gas my only thought was stars they're just like us <laughs> fast forward to the wedding day the best man ended up going down to the bars by himself after the rehearsal dinner coincidentally held in the same banquet facilities as the strip show Ooh, must have been triggering and getting into a nasty bar fight and spent the entire weekend in jail i ended up having no one to walk down the aisle with and i was only the only one who gave a speech at the reception well hopefully you weren't walking alone down the aisle as i imagine the thoughts of grinding gary are you know taken with you everywhere you go <laughs> That was pretty funny. Oh, I love it. I love a small town banquet facility. What can I say? I bees in the trap. Bees in the trap. I bees in the trap. Bees in the trap. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be There in Five podcast. We are here bringing you hot takes on a cold morning. <laughs> Creative. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I'll go through some of these. How do you feel about when somebody says they graduated from the school of hard knocks? You know, it it is a pet peeve because typically what happens with someone who graduated from the School of Hard Knocks is that when you dig down into their profile, they then go on to share some issues that they have and continue to state that they are looking for someone with no drama. And in my experience, if the guy is stating that he's looking for someone with no drama, it's because he is the one to cause said drama, you know? Interesting. I'd be interested. I'd really be interested in um, creating and kind of, you know, line graph. Uh, why is presence of a hard knocks degree and uh, X being the presence of drama in your life? Because I think that there's almost a second layer of this where it's like if you say one thing, it's very likely you're going to say the other. People need to yes. collect data about this. I, I know. guess we kind of are. This person said flexing about collecting passport stamps. Oh, my gosh. That's interest. That's a that's an interesting flex. It's classier than a you know wanderlust, um, but it's also like I don't know. I, I, just say travel. What is that it's too generic? Right. Well, I think it's too generic. What they're what I think people that say that are trying to say is I've gone to more than two countries. 
But what really is crazy is they'll like list out the abbreviations or the flags of all the countries they've been to. And then they turn it around on you to be like, so what's your next, what are you up for for your next adventure? What do you consider to be an adventure? Almost like a judgment on what you say will de- like will determine whether or not we can talk anymore. Right. And it's like, I don't frequent a ziplining course. I don't know <laughs> how people adventure. Well, and the, like, I am someone, I love to go different places, but I work and, and don't like, I don't travel out of the country every other month. Like I, I just, I can't. And so I am, it's, it's a funny thing because I think people then will judge to be like, oh, well, you're not fun. You're not adventurous. And it's like, well, no, I am fun. And I do like to travel, but within reason, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, every fun person that's ever existed ends their sentences with within reason. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the worst. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, truly, maybe over 30 people said they hate when someone says they're fluent in sarcasm. Oh, that comes up. uh, Yes. Like, it's just, no, but I think they will hear someone say it or see, like, Maybe you'll even see it in like a girl's profile and be like, oh, that's funny. Let me put it in mine. What I would challenge you to do is to message those people. Hey, love your bio. (laughs) They'll say thanks. And you say, you're not flowing in sarcasm. It's garbage. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this person said, quote, not my kid. Oh, like clarifying that it's not their kid. I kind of think you have to do you think you have to do that, though? Um, I think it's, I don't see that as bad. I, I, I think a lot of like people will do that just to kind of show like, Hey, I'm fun. I can hang with kids, but like, I don't have a kid. Fair. I know. I, I, I actually, I'm making an assumption, but maybe like a younger person, you know, that just is kind of sharing, Hey, like it's not my kid. <laughs> wow. So many more, not my kids. Another, just a gym looking for is Pam. Weren't there like some screenshots you guys took over break? Cause I wasn't downstairs when you were going through them, but I feel like there were some uh, interesting ones I wanted to hear about. It, it's like the guy, his second picture was him putting flowers at a gravesite. <gasps> no, you didn't see that. No, Katie, you weren't down there for that. Some background just so you know, was the guy said he was a florist. And then in the second picture, it's him putting flowers down at a cemetery under the green tent. Wait, wait, okay. Sorry. Is it his ex? It's his, wi- no, he's a he's widow? he's a florist. <laughs> <laughs> ask Greg. Is Greg in the room? Go ask him. No. How no, do I, I not have a screenshot of this? I'm so sorry. mad. Kelly, I'm going to pee. <laughs> Wait, like <laughs> yeah, I can think of a lot of reasons people buy flowers that you could have a picture in front of. It's dark. It's dark. Well, I guess it's time for us to, you know, metaphorically lay the flowers on the grave of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just dark. But you know, again, to to each their own. To each their own. No, I, you know, I, uh, I think that's a great picture to put as your second man, photo. Man, 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 <laughs> yeah, man. Not my kid, not my funeral. You know, I'm still relishing in the genius wordplay of that t-shirt from Abercrombie that that guy wore to meet the, g- the girl's parents in high school that said, pleased to meet you. 
and it was M-E-A-T. One could call it aggressive, but one could call it endearing because if somebody actually brought you meats, you'd be thrilled. And you know who brings me meats is ButcherBox. They're back, guys. I haven't talked about ButcherBox in so long, and I love them, and they got me single-handedly through quarantine because who knew we were going to need a stockpile. And now I'm just like so into this for even just preparedness alone. But if you're not familiar with ButcherBox, they believe that when it comes to meat, quality matters. And high-quality, humanely raised meat is important. It's better for you. It's better for the animal. It's better for the environment. I've talked about before, Greg and I do steak Sundays, and he just got a sous vide. And I don't really get what it does, but I did see Grant Akins use it at Royster once. And it looks like a hand blender, but it like slow cooks meat. Anyways, this that's not about that. Honestly, it's just a lucky byproduct of a hobby I'm hugely benefiting from. But anyway, uh, butcher, we eat a lot of butcher box steak. And I when I first started talking to them, and they told me that like a cow could eat one blade of grass, and that the regulations are so poor that could be called grass fed, even if it like ate corn or other nonsense the rest of its life. Whereas grass finished beef means it ate grass its whole life. And there's these small nuances that I think the general population doesn't really know. And then you're paying a high price point for meat that maybe isn't even that high of quality. So we rely on butcher box for uh, 100% grass-fed or finished beef, free-range organic chickens, uh, chickens. Not, I don't have, like, full chickens, but, like, chicken breasts or chicken wings. I love their chicken wings. Um, Heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, sugar nitrate-free bacon. It's the way meat should be. And ButcherBox is the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat that is packed fresh. It is shipped frozen and vacuum-sealed, so it stays that way. And each box that you get every month, they ship a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. It is 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals, and you can customize the box or go with one of theirs and get exactly what you want. You get the highest quality meat around just $6 a meal. They have free shipping nationwide except for Alaska and Hawaii. And um, I can't even tell you what a lifesaver this has been in recent months and how good the food is. And I don't know. I'm just here for an ethical solution, right? And I'm here for a healthy solution. And I want I want animals treated well. And I want the environment treated well. And I don't know. It's just a, it's, it's like every dollar we spend, we cast a vote, right? And it's these small decisions that make me feel good about the businesses I'm supporting. And I really do love ButcherBox. And I'm excited to be working with them again. And if you guys want to try, right now ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. For life. Uh, it, for the duration of your subscription, that is. But... That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription that you aren't paying for. They'll just toss it right on in. How great is that? I We make a lot of uh, burgers with their ground beef, too. If you want to give it a try, go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five. That's butcherbox.com slash be there in five and get high quality, humanely sourced meat to show up right to your door. A couple of years later, when I was 15, I was asked to babysit three of the neighborhood kids who were only three grades younger than me. I think this was just the parents wanting a slightly older and more responsible kid hanging out with their hooligan children, two boys and a girl. They were super smart kids, but also were apparently in an 11-year-old neighborhood gang. The three of them together were obviously stronger than I was, and I ended up duct taped to a rolling (gasps) computer chair with tape over my mouth. The parents of the house, when they... They came home as they were rolling me closer to the top of the stairs. <gasps> no. They paid me like 10 times the normal hourly rate, called my parents to apologize, and made all three kids write me letters. Truly horrific. I retired from babysitting and got a job at Panera after this. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, truly, <laughs> no, no. Have we not? Like, we've all gone to Panera Bread at some point to heal. No. <laughs> Clearly. Um, this person said, I lived in a neighborhood with tons of kids and I often got approved to babysit when I was way too young because my parents were home and right down the road just in case something happened. I was so young that I was too scared to take a pizza out of the oven, which is how this story begins. I called my mom to take a pizza out of the oven and while she waited the food to be for the food to be done. Okay, that is so funny. That is funny. Aww. <laughs> to be old enough to care for the lives of your precious children, but not be able to take a pizza out of the oven. Um, I called my mom and while she waited for the food to be done, she read some sort of family fun magazine and found an article with crafts that she suggested I do with the kids after dinner. Oh, our mom loves a family fun magazine, oh. like loves a Southern living suggest suggestion. Loves sure. Highlights. Yeah. <laughs> highlights all that. Um, I love this girl said, I love a good craft sesh. So I was all in. So after dinner, we decided to make flip flops out of rolled up newspaper. I asked the boy to see if they had any old newspapers lying around. He came back with a bag <laughs> full of old newspapers. I was, I very responsibly checked the date. It was September 12th, 2001. Perfect. It was a couple years old. I was good to go. We took the newspaper out and cut them into one inch strips to then wrap around and tape together to create the base okay. of a shoe. Oh, we checked a few newspapers and they were all old. All was going well and I until I looked a little harder at the newspaper we were cut, cutting up. As I looked at it, my stomach dropped and it dawned on me that this was their newspaper collection from historical <laughs> events. I didn't catch it right away, but obviously September 12th was the day after 9-11. The two others I cut up were the space shuttle blowing up and the tearing down of the statue of Saddam Hussein. Let's just say we did it <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's just to make flip newspaper flip flop. <laughs> it's such a dumb craft. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm crying. Oh. This one. Um, hi Kate I grew up in a suburb in the southeast our neighborhood was lively and families young and old were always socializing and there were frequent parties one time when I was about 12 years old I was babysitting for a neighbor during the day when the father was golfing and the mother was on vacation the girl was seven and the boy was four I walked to their home and the father nonchalantly said feed them this meal at noon y'all stay in the house and yard be back around five my friend lived across the street, so I called her from their landline to come help me babysit. Two 12-year-olds are better at supervising children than one, right? So we played around in their yard in a, on a very suspicious wooden seesaw, and the four-year-old boy got a splinter. The seven-year-old girl said, oh, my dad gets them out all the time for us so you can get his out. He keeps the tweezers above the <gasps> fridge. Weird place for tweezers. So I no, go but to, for stuff like that, yeah. So I go to get a chair to grab said items from the top of the fridge and I see a shoebox. The seven-year-old girl says, yeah, it's probably in there. My dad always grabs the shoebox before going outside. In the shoebox was a pipe, lighters, and a huge bag of weed. <laughs> no! Oh my God. Here's what's so funny and something that both you and I would have done too. She said, I knew what weed was from health class and the ever classic dare class we had in fifth grade. I shrieked and showed my friend. She ran to her house and grabbed her mom and said, I have an emergency while babysitting. 
I showed her mother and she just put the shoebox back up on the fridge and proceeded to get the splinter out of the four-year-old's finger. I was shocked to say the least. Don't we need to call the police? Don't these children need to be escorted to a safe space? (laughs) Why are we only focused on the splinter here, Miss Deb? The rest of the day I sat in pure panic. The father returned from his golf outing later that day and paid me for my babysitting service. But I remember thinking... Is this man a drug dealer and is this money drug money? And I was a nervous wreck. I ran home to tell my parents and even cried about the whole scenario. Drugs in our innocent neighborhood. My dad proceeded to call the father. I was paranoid he was going to confront me about finding his illegal stash. The father apologized to my parents and said that he had told me not to let his kids get into items out of reach. Um, no, sir, you did not say any specific rule like that. Needless to say, I never babysat for them again. My parents like to joke and kid with me that sometimes to point out when I was the narc babysitter. Um, this is a memorable story from an event I was a part of. My cousin's bachelorette party, our aunts were invited. It seemed a little odd to me, but whatever. One of my aunts is a little kooky. As an example, she once went through a car wash with her windows rolled down to get the inside clean. Is she Amelia Bedelia? Um, <laughs> she lives by the beat of her own drum and isn't always aware of what's happening around her. For the engagement part of um, this same cousin, she had a mouthful of red wine and spit it out everywhere when she heard a joke that made her laugh. She's the best. Yeah, I love her. Now, my cousin's friends are straight from the plastics on Mean Girls, and my aunt, we'll call her Annie, it's a little more Uncle Eddie from Christmas Vacation. Wait, <laughs> hey, is it Uncle Eddie? Is it, is it Uncle Eddie or Cousin Eddie? Whatever. I, 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 am, I am a Christmas Vacation stan. Um, it's my favorite Christmas movie. I'm not really here for, like, I don't know. I don't love a Christmas story. I'm sorry. And I don't love, like, every time a bell rings, you know, Miracle, like the old timey black and white ones. But I mean, I mean, save the neck for me, Clark. I, I, I love that guy. He, he's a hoot and a half. And every party needs a guy like him that comes briefly, never stays. Right. Anyway, sorry, I need to finish your story, but agree. He's an icon. So we, it says we played. The cringy guess who bought the lingerie game. Why is that a thing? I agree. Like, OK, this full seated number looks like it's from you because you're a real bore. It's like, well, geez, no, I actually got you the whip. But thanks for asking. Like, <laughs> I didn't come to this bridal shower to get to not only have to buy you underwear, but also get insulted. It's a, I agree. It's a very weird game. Um, uh, before we can start, Annie says she needs to go to her car and asks that we wait for her before we get started. She's gone for a long time. Don't look, she says as she returns with a weathered Target bag that. She sticks in the middle of the pile of striped Victoria's Secret bags. By the time my cousin pulled out the Target bag, it's no surprise who it's from. Out she pulls a large pair of off-white granny panties now. <laughs> I hate that joke, too. We all laugh. Good one, Annie. Keeps the niece humble in front of her friends, right? But upon closer inspection, my cousin says, These are used. And without missing a beat, Annie proclaims, <laughs> Yep, and I'll need those back. They're from my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> a few of her friends were green faced and ready to puke in their kinky it's 2015 cocktails but let me tell you annie was a blast on the dance floor and if anything i hope this story teaches everyone to put an end to this mortifying game you never know who's used granny panties you don't pull out of a bag i'm dying they actually were that was like her joke <laughs> Is she like, I don't know if she's like my hero or if that's the grossest thing I've ever heard. 
It just sounds she's like a sounds like she's a sense of humor that like doesn't quite land. Oh my god, I'm dying. Oh my god. This past year, I got like reobsessed specifically because of Rachel and Amber's home build that f you new construction money you guys know i love a gratuitous butler's pantry that's bigger than my apartment you know i love a package receiving room you know that i love when somebody builds a playhouse replica of their huge ass home inside their huge ass home and a huge ass playroom that's like perfectly to scale i am horrified and delighted i can't decide i mean that this is this is the conundrum of influencers am i horrified and cringing at the opulence that the needless displays of wealth or am I delighting in them? Because like, who wouldn't want to live, you know, in a beautiful home and give their kids a playhouse and a, essentially a compound? Like, you know, I don't get sent as much free stuff as Rachel. But, you know, if I did, having a package receiving room in my alcove would be chill. I wouldn't complain. I mean, you know, creeps like me will you know tap the photo see who's tagged look at the designer then do a deep dive into the designer see who who made the tile that the designer put in the blogger's house and i will go online and look at the price of each tile i'll only to find that it's only for interior designers to know so then i'll have to go deep into other forums where designers have commented on on average how much these tiles cost and when i tell you hundreds of dollars per tile and the but tile by definition means you are putting several individual pieces to cover up a surface but like today, Kylie Jenner posted her entire foyer that was covered in a sea of rose petals, like, like, you know, not just a smattering. It was a full like, you know, it was fresh pow, as the snowboarders say. It was like packed. It was like you could your foot like get submerged in it. And, you know, not only do I send my thoughts and prayers, my T's and P's out to the cleaning crew at Kylie Jenner's house. I also am so dead set on on shopping a reality show concept to Jeff Latham, who does their insane floral arrangements that are teddy bears that are all their children's names spelled out that are like full hedges, the shape of kissing elephants that are like 15 feet, get put up for a four hour baby shower and taken down later. I want Jeff Latham's people to have a show called Take It, Take Them or Latham. And it's about what it must be like for the people who are setting up and taking down these ginormous floral structures in like a six to 12 hour period, probably making minimum wage who like can't even believe it took them three days to assemble a sculpture. That's a proper, you know, rendition of the David out of, you know, tea roses only for it to be used for a two hour party and then dismantled brutally. But I guess, you know, that's where my personal rage comes in. My personal rage comes in when people there like there was a funny Instagram story. And again, I think she's a nice girl and I think her family's sweet and I love how close they are as sisters. But there's just like funny things that will happen. Like um, when Rachel Parcell from Pink Peonies was doing a Q&A and somebody asked, are they going to move again? And she said, no, this is our forever home. Uh, we'll be here at least four or five years. I paused on purpose. I want you to think about that. They, they all have these like handsome husbands that are very like corporate attractive or like lumber, like lumber sexuals. Is that what they call them? Like lumberjack sexy. Regardless, all all the husbands have very modern haircuts. Sh shorter on the side, longer on the top. I'm a fan. It's usually a risk. But if you find yourself being photographed a lot, I can see that you might, you know, nudge your your significant other to maybe up their grooming game. I'm shocked by how many men don't know what a side part would do for their life. I mean, if you want to go from like Donny Osmond to Don Draper, 
There's only one thing standing in your way, and that thing is a side part. Also, I cannot emphasize this enough. We, we need slim pant legs, gang. Like, because a slim leg on a nice, well-fitting suit does wonders for a man that a boxy suit just makes you look like you're wearing your dad's jacket. And you're, like, headed to your sister's chorus concert against your will that has, like, a snappy, casual dress code. This is Kate from The Beyond in 2020. Uh, a couple things. I, can't, I cannot listen to the Mormon Mommy blog. It's such a source of anxiety for me because I, it's the most rambly, nonsensical thing ever. But I literally did not think that was going to be a thing. Uh, but so I just I but I know if I did like kind of a compilation, I couldn't not include some of it. So sorry for the random clips. I'll finish out with this last story because I just think it's a classic. It will never not make me laugh and feel utterly horrified by the sheer xenophobia of it all. And that's why I think it's on the table to talk about because it's alarming behavior. Uh, but I, I realized I in this clip because I'm shaving down these clips and uh, I I think I only ever say she. I don't think I say her name. But this is about the Oaxaca trip Shannon Bird, Bird Alamode, took uh, to Mexico and how she reacted when she felt unsafe for what appears to be no other reason than she did indeed leave the United States. Uh, so just some context I wanted to provide, and then I'll catch you on the flip side. Her visit to Mexico with screenshots, and I was crying laughing. It is so rampantly culturally insensitive. And, you know, feels fully fair game on those grounds. She went to Oaxaca, Mexico, to a five-star resort. And she starts to story, you know, about how when she goes to foreign countries, she usually just stays in her resort and she never leaves until the day she flies out because, you know, everywhere that's not America is, is so dangerous. Then she starts to post... She says, culture shock alone, no service, mastitis, homesick, never cross border by myself alone, going home. So she goes to the resort and she posts from her room that the hotel says it's five stars, but she's somewhere in between the movie Taken and The Hands Made Tale. Uh, Taken is properly done in quotations, which I respect, um, you know, formatting of proper nouns. But then The Handmaid's Tale is actually... Well, it's called The Handmaid's Tale, but she says The Handmaid's Tale, and it's pronounced, it's spelled H-A-N-D-S-M-A-I-D-E, which is a different take. But it's it's basically a photo of um, a chair under her window, a couch moved against her door, and she claims to have set a booby trap for, um, you know, her own safety because she found out that people are poor in Mexico. But, like, it's, it's truly, it's not, I don't know, it's not clear to me now what she was so freaked out about. And or the reason for like channeling Kevin McAllister in Home Alone and setting up a full on booby trap with like chairs and couches cartoonishly blocking, you know, entryways. It's it's kind of hard to see what, how sophisticated this trap is, but let's just say it's not exactly on par with Hallie Parker levels of booby trap sophistication. Say that there's just no way she can continue in such dangerous circumstances. She decides that she needs to go home and posts a text about how she broke her contract. And it says, honestly, I felt blindsided by this whole thing. I thought I was going with blank. Then I found out I'm not even you were here. Then I'm in a creepy church convent with zero security in the middle of the streets. I've only gone to Mexico and stayed in a resort behind gates and major security. It's out of my comfort zone completely. Then I got sick and barfed about 20 times and I feel like I need to leave. The person says, Shannon, you signed a contract that says something on it. You're signed... You're staying at a five-star hotel with a guard and a tour guide. <laughs> with that being said, if you feel uncomfortable, you are free from the contract. I'll assume the rest of the cost for hotels and activities. 
Just pay your way home and you obviously won't get paid for the week. Your safety and well-being is my top priority. Let me know what I can do to get you to the airport and home safely. So she tries to get out of her contract and um, says, can I pay one of the boys to drive with me in the car service and they can ride back with the driver back to the hotel? Pretty, pretty, please. And you'll never hear from me again. I just can't be alone in this country. Can you pick me up a machete? (laughs) I mean, like, I like what? What? Like a freaking machete? I mean, crime exists, obviously, but like this is a American small white woman that does have a security guard that would have a driver that really is in Oaxaca. It's it's a it's a vacation destination. She's at a five star resort. And I gather she's texting the person that is responsible for like coordinating the trip. I don't know if it's some sort of influencer agency. I don't know if it's the resort itself. I pray to God it is not a citizen of the fine country of Mexico. Because to say pretty, pretty, please, you'll never hear from me again. I just can't be alone in this country. Can you pick me up a machete? I mean, would you would you guys go straight to machete? I'd sooner carve my own shiv out of a can of Dos Equis. The, the only you know reasonable way I could defend my, you know, tiny self is by getting a ginormous you know, single-sided broadsword knife meant to chop sugarcane and clear underbrush. After saying, can you pick me up a machete? The person says, we have a shoot scheduled. I can drop you when we leave at blank. After that, we have to be somewhere an hour away. And she simply responds by saying, knife. I want to travel with it. Anyway, guys, I hope that this, like, you know, I hope you weren't, like, bored revisiting stories. Um... It's funny. Yeah, I just was I don't want I've wanted to do this for so long and I just don't want people to think I'm phoning it in with like a repeat week. But I think, yeah, I just talk about so much all the time um, that I forget what's even in these episodes. So and I I only went through a handful based on ones I hear about a lot. But like, who the hell knows what's buried in there? So if you liked this, let me know. I'll do another one or I could do ones with like different themes just to like keep around in the catalog. Because I do think it is a little bit easier to have, like, for stuff like this to give people an idea of, like, the type of things I talk about. Um, but I just love revisiting some of the listener stories. Like, I think about the woman who's, like, I, I think about that girl's aunt that is, like, Cousin Eddie with the red wine spitting out of her teeth all the time. <laughs> I think about the watermelon machete all the time and Shannon's machete. This also gave me so many merch ideas. I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> I I like it better if the merch stuff has to do with like y'all's stories and I don't know I just want it to be more like listener grounded than like me you know what I mean like we're we're fans of the topics not like me the person so it always felt like a little indulgent to be like quoting myself or I don't know it's hard to explain but I am working on it if you think I'm not interested in finding a way to you know resurrect vintage teas with Camp Spread Eagle and most Christ-like at water skiing, you're sorely mistaken. If you think I'm not disproportionately proud of myself for less ABC, one, two, three, more, three, six, nine, damn, she fine, you're sorely mistaken. (laughs) And like comedians have sets and shows and they say the same jokes all the time, but I'll get excited if I like one thing I say, but I say it once. And then, so you know, I bring up the same shit all the time, you know, the F you, new construction money, all that stuff. But like, it's funny how some of these things kind of like get lost over time. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's a T-shirt. 
<laughs> anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for brightening my mood. Thanks for being here. Uh, like I said, Merit's, Merit and I's episode, I'm working on editing tomorrow. We had to split it up into two sessions over two days. That's why it wasn't ready this week, but that's why I pushed this one forward. Um, thank you for your patience and the inconsistency of when these are released. It's a technology nightmare that I just am trying to complain less about. And um, I would love, love, love it. If you liked this episode, especially if you think this is one like your friends, it might be a better way for your friends to understand like the vibe. If you want to share it to your story and screenshot it if you're private, you know, I love that. Makes the world go round. Helps me out so much. Uh, and if you want to leave a review, truly, like, that's probably those two things are like how you keep podcasters afloat. And I mean, Patreon's a paywall and I don't require people to pay for my content. But if you like it extra, that, that'd be cool, too. Uh, but regardless, I'm just happy you're here. Thank you for living, laughing, loving and lurking for visco girling and bath and body jerking for Cousin Eddie. It may not be my kid or my funeral but that is my machete you know what am I doing my freestyling it is 3 a.m <laughs> I gotta go to sleep okay you guys I love you so much as I mentioned just like with Hitha I did the Jessica Simpson book review as a bonus this is the Finding Freedom book review with Merit will be a bonus I'll drop in the next week and uh, get excited because Jackie Schimmel will be on the pod soon. We recorded today and she was so much fun. She was cracking me up. I have trouble podcasting with funny people because I just like want to sit there and laugh and enjoy them. And then I, <laughs> it's kind of same thing happens with Heather McMahon. I just like enjoy people's company. And then I forget that I need to be like driving a conversation. It's fascinating. Oh, and the last thing I'll say about that. I posted a video on Instagram of her talking about working at Abercrombie. She was hot enough to be a greeter, whereas I'm, like, pretty sure they told me applications were full, but then asked my friend behind me if she, like, knew who Jake was and introduced her to her fragrances and, like, offered her a job, like, in front of me. Like, these, these people are cutthroat. It's unbelievable. What a, anyway, what I was going to say is uh, comments on that video and a bunch of DMs I got were, like, talking about uh, working at Hollister, working at Abercrombie, how you would greet people, how you were recruited – uh, the weird stuff in the employee handbook, how you had to say like, uh, hey, what's up? Instead of how are you? Like, I'm obsessed with these details. If you worked at Abercrombie, Hollister, Buckle, any of those aggressive mall stores and can tell me any like hot goss about being an employee there, please, please, please tell me. Because uh, Jackie's episode is like under, a little under an hour and I would love to spend the rest of the time telling people your stories. <laughs> so please email me at podcast at be there and five.com. And I think that would be fun. And honestly, like to be in the presence of so many people that were hot enough at 15 to work at Hollister, like, damn, I'm impressed. I am I'm, I'm in good company. I'm in company that can pull off a jean skirt the size of a bandeau top. And if you have photos of you working at these retail jobs, that would be greatly appreciated too because Lord knows I love a paper-thin layered tunic-length ribbed tank top that's almost longer than your skirt with a graphic on the front that says like, let's things get freaky when we tiki. And I was like a hula girl with huge T's. Uh, it's just, <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Okay, you guys. As I mentioned earlier, I've been using this Megan Thee Stallion song because it's like ever six, since since 16, I've been having a job knowing nothing at life, but I got to get rich. It's like spending income on my outfits. Like I'm a hot girl. Like this is this is just like my essence in my youth, in my shallow, shallow, vapid youth that I talk about so much on this podcast because it just really makes me laugh what my priorities were. Uh, so, yeah, this song holds a special place in my heart. 
I'm just kind of like also obsessed with her taking ownership of the term hot girl because like it's just so aughts and it's so good and it's a thing people stop calling you when you get older or if you're like married you know or like I don't know it's just like it's my friends don't text me that I look H-A-W-T like they once did and I, I miss it I do anyway oh shoot last thing I did do a 30 minute Patreon episode where I basically scripted a, like did a, a spec script in my head that's you know pretty poor loosely done and really not in the form of a script because I don't know how to write a script but I did I wrote like a fanfic for if Gilmore Girls was in the time of COVID so it's called SARS Hollow and um, if you want to listen to that that's the stuff I put behind a paywall because like that takes effort you know uh, that's patreon.com slash be there in five and that's also where the PowerPoint parties are all stored and you can watch past ones. And yeah, that's it, I swear. <laughs> As always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. Ever since 16, I've been having a job, knowing nothing in life, but I gotta get rich. You could check the throwback pics, I've been that bitch. I'm a hot girl, I do hot shit. I do hot shit.